This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. All right, it's 19.35 on Power Business. Every Thursday here in studio, we get C-Suites in to speak to us about their lives, their journey, and their work. Tonight's no different. Uh, in studio, I'm joined by Ntabisen Kubeka, who's a CEO of the Bombella Operating Company, and that's the operator and maintainer of uh, the Gau Train, if you didn't know. And she brings us uh, her guest in studio, I assume, and she'll tell us who that is at some point. Uh, but very keen to hear about you, Ntabisen. Thank you for being here. Good evening. Uh, hi, Nolitando. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for coming. To chat yeah, to us. appreciate the invite. Um, yeah, I'm here and I'm with uh, my brother Simpue, my son, mm-hmm. who is similar, almost same age. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be here. He's mm-hmm. in the northwest mm-hmm. with rugby. Otherwise, they would have all been here as a gang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, fantastic. And thank you for coming also and accompanying her. All right, yeah. saying Let's get to it. Before we get mm-hmm. to your work, um, your uh, your role. Who is in Tabiseng? Where do you help from? Okay, Tabiseng Gubega. Mm-hmm. Actually, in Tabiseng Muloi, but the Muloi surname thing is a long story, but yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, in uh, Tabiseng, um, born and bred in Soweto. Mm. So, I was raised between Orlando East and uh, Midlands, which is where both of my parents come from, Mr. and Mrs. Muloi. And um, I have a sister, Tsepiso, um, only sister. Mm-hmm. Um, we grew up, uh, I'd say, in a very close-knit, loving family. Okay. Uh, with uh, strong values uh, built by mainly our grandparents. Mm-hmm. We raised by two strong grandmoms, mm-hmm. both uh, both sides. And my granddad had a big role to play as well mm-hmm. in, in me being who I am. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been a good friend of mine. Um, but um, just in terms of my upbringing, mm-hmm. if I could say, yes, because I need to say a bit of that, my, my dad, I'd say, played a, a, a big role in, in how I progressed in life. I mean, we joke about this all the time, but um, he took me to school when I was four years old. Wow, and okay. he thought I was ready for grade one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that tells and, you a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, during lunchtime, I would leave the school and go to my great-grandmom's house. Mm-hmm. And I think after the first week, they realized I'm going to get lost. Mm-hmm. And I was taken back and I didn't go back to school. Okay. <laughs> so, so the next day I did that. So I think with that, for me, it, it, it just gave me that um, you can do anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, age is age, but uh, you can do whatever you want to do at the end of the day. And that's how my life progressed. Because mm. it's always been a few years ahead of my peers. And, and I, I guess that was really the good starting point of how that was going to be in that. And um, then they separated with my mom. And my mom eventually did most of the single parenting and and uh, taking care of us with my sister and uh, taking us through school mainly. But we still had both parents and everyone around us so that we didn't feel much of an effect of that. So I think that's that. And then in terms of uh, my education, most of that was really between Midlands and Orlando and with them uh, moving around a lot of public transport that we mm. used actually mm. uh, to get to school. So there was a normal, not like Simpu and Po and them where mm-hmm. they've got transport <laughs> taking them at the gate mm-hmm. and all. Um, and uh, went through school in uh, Soweto, Zitatele, and progressed into high school at Pace College. Um, and then I started off with my studies um, with the then mm-hmm. Vets Technicon, mm-hmm. which I think today is now UJ. And I studied analytical chemistry. 
I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, so don't ask me why. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, so that that's basically how uh, my 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 career started in in the chemical industry. Um, studied analytical chemistry uh, because I went to Vets Technicon. Mm-hmm. I sat on the stairs and I read through the whatever prospectus mm-hmm. and okay it looked like it's the closest to my results and that's that <laughs> so so that's basically how that that happened um but you know uh then i started working when i was about 20 with my in-service training and then that was that um then i moved into the uh, energy sector mm-hmm. around 2001 mm-hmm. So I spent about, I'd say, four or five years in the chemical industry. And in that, in that period, my son was born, Mpo, um, uh, pregnant with him, lost his dad when I was five oh. months pregnant with Mpo. But we still went through, went through that and all went well. And, um, and then I started in the energy industry in 2001 and I've been there until around 2021, basically. Mm-hmm. So about 20 years of my career has been in the energy industry. Started in ESCOM. At the time, ESCOM was um, working on introducing females into their technical space. Mm-hmm. At that time, although ESCOM is doing very well now in terms of women leadership and just uh, representation, at that time it was a clear target that needed to be met mm-hmm. to bring in females in their technical space, and that's how I got introduced to, to that. But when I joined ESCOM, it was in quality because uh, with my son... Uh, uh, being pregnant with my son, I had to move out of the laboratory because I was a chemical analyst at the time and I went into a softer kind of a role, quality management, and uh, since then I never went back to the lab. Okay. <laughs> so I then changed and, and feathered my studies around quality management, development of business processes for, for companies, mainly focused on uh, quality management, ISO 9001 certification, safety, health, environment. So I, I ended up being really redirected completely to, to what I was I was I was doing initially and that's how I left the chemical industry and then went into into ESCOM and ESCOM I joined them as a quality advisor in their operations department. And I think at that time I was a, a bit more, you know, ambitious about things and, and, and I would take any opportunity to to meet leaders in the company and I remember I was asked to go and present about quality to the senior leadership at the power station, which was Litabo Power Station at the time. And I, I had a, a number of shoes, of imposed shoes, leather, cloth, and, and this, this is what I used to demonstrate what quality is to people. And this was very interesting. <laughs> and I think from that point, I had made my mark and um, I got uh, nominated for a leadership program that ESCOM ran at the time. I had not met any of the requirements actually to even be allowed to go through the interview process, but because of some of the interactions that uh, that I've had with some of the senior leaders, I was nominated went through a gruesome interview process, you know, because you needed to have been in ESCOM at least for about uh, five years and be a, a manager already. I was not. I mean, mm-hmm. I was a quality officer joining the company, leading people already. I was not leading people. So really, I didn't meet any of this. Yes. And normally you would have had to come from also either an electrical engineering background or mechanical engineering. And I was chemistry. So nothing that I was supposed to be ticked was ticked in this. Uh, but anyway, I went through this uh, leadership program, and I think this leadership program for me, it was a two-year leadership program. If someone asked me today how you progressed, how you moved the way you moved, mm-hmm. it's this particular leadership program that for me was almost like five steps mm-hmm. jump in terms of what I could do and, and my ability and cap- testing my capabilities on what is it that I could actually do and and deliver for, for those that I work for. 
And um, after finishing that program, then it was when ESCOM was starting the return to service of their mothballed power stations, mm-hmm. the old power stations, yes. when we had a lot of power yes. and some stations needed <laughs> Ooh, to be to be to be a bit. So there was that. So at that time, it was when the the signs were there that we now need to bring back these to service because the new build uh, was gonna was starting off a bit slow. So it was quicker to bring some of these existing power plants back to service. So I got involved in that. Got a hand to go to go into that role and um, helped with the setup of this and that's how I got involved with construction mm. okay because it was as combat not power generation specifically but more the projects construction uh, part of of escom which is the group capital division so um and and I went into this uh, so the the person that had hunted me for this said to me I know you think we're calling you to be a quality manager but sorry that role is taken uh-huh. okay so you can't be that yeah <laughs> so you <laughs> think, of yeah, think we we got to you're going to do something else right now we need someone that's going to help us to to set up the site first of all because there was no one on site but secondly we need to develop processes of how we're going to do this thing because it's been a while since we had uh built anything mm-hmm. so we need to really do all the groundwork to see what still exists and what needs to be changed and made to look like what is required for today and that was great for me because it's a new project mm-hmm. no one has done it you've got a lot of research that you need to do but i'm bringing in also my experience from my business process kind mm-hmm. of quality experience that that i've had so that there was that and the role grew i mean in from that into adding all other services that were required for this project, your IT, your quantity surveying, your project controls in terms of managing the work that is done, measuring whether what we do, what we pay for is equal to the work that is done on site. So we're in charge of, of a team that does that and the, the processes of how this actual construction was going to be done and being involved in the handover to the customer who is now generation at the mm-hmm. time. So I stayed on this uh, project um, for about eight years, but towards the end, when we could, we, I could see we're finishing, and that's one thing about my career. Every time I see I'm, I'm very close to an end of something, then I start the conversation myself. I don't wait okay. until somebody says, <laughs> "Okay, you're done." If you're yeah. listening, take notes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I started the conversation. Say, "Okay, um, I've been in this role. It's a support role. I'm, I'm good with it." And it's, it's allowed me to really see everything and be involved in everything because it was a, a project support role. So anything and everything that happened in that project, I got involved with. Yeah? Whether it's actual physical work on site or safety in general or quality or whatever, or progress on site, you know, how you pay people, how you measure progress with the, with the rest of the team. So it, it really broadened my, my scope in terms of understanding what is happening on a project site. So I said to them, uh, towards the end of this, I wouldn't want to carry on being a project support person. I'd mm-hmm. like to go into the core of this, mm-hmm. either as a construction uh, manager on site or a project construction manager somewhere else. And uh, unfortunately, I, that opportunity came on one of the stations where they needed to, to refurbish and uh, deal with obsolescence of their control and instrumentation system. And I was taken there as a construction project manager it's a project in development so again new skill learned project development what does it entail working with all the various functions from from head office in developing the scope and setting up contracts you know bringing in going through tendering processes ethics integrity needs to be high on that so we needed to to do that in the most lean way that we could but a few months in in into that role actually then there was a a need for a cluster leader in one of the clusters. So at that time, there was clusters, clusters of stations. Mm-hmm. So a cluster would be made up of five to six power stations, refurbishment projects. 
So I was then asked to uh, move into this role because there was an issue with the leader and I, I needed to go and lead this cluster. Okay. Now, this is me. I've, I've been in project support for quite a, a bit of a time, although I got exposed to everything. I was on site for about seven to eight months, I think, at least as a construction project manager, but mainly project development. Now I'm being asked to go and lead a team of five strong leaders that have always been in ESCO, most of them. I mean, they've got far more experience than me, far mm-hmm. older than me, and needed to deal with this dynamic. Yeah. In my first role, when I started, it was a clean slate. You know, everyone that was there, I employed. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I understood who it's your people. Yeah, it's yeah. my people. 100%. You know, I, I, I've asked the questions. I, I see how you talk, how you walk. I've made the decision. Mm. I want to work with you. Mm. And they, in this case, I'm, I'm getting there and I'm, 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 meet, I'm getting a team that is fully there. And uh, maybe some of them even think one of them should have been in the role. Yeah. You You're know? the outsider. And, and now, yes, and now you're coming in and you're going to be doing this. And, and I needed to be very very careful about how I how I tackle this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so listening, observing, talking to people became a key thing for me. Yeah. And, and this is how I've, I've actually approached every new role since then. Say the first few months, it was just me talking to people, visiting sites, listening, observing before I have opinions about why things are not working, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and also acknowledging that they, they, they've got experience, but I'm bringing whatever I'm bringing mm-hmm. to this. There's a reason why I'm there. It's not yeah. because someone was bored and thought Ntabisen could be yeah, the right yeah. one, you know. It's, it's because Ntabisen does have some skills that are required to get this thing going and successful. So, so there was a good, a good opportunity for me, you know, to just get to an environment where there's already a culture that is there mm. and, and a team that, is, that believes they are strong in what they do and they think everything is well. And you come in and you say, okay, now that I've listened, actually one, two, and three needs to change. Yeah? Mm. And, and some we, we go get along and some don't. And those that don't, we, we deal with that. Mm. And, and there was that. And I think for me, with what I learned in that was... Um, as a leader, you've, I've set the standards on what I'm expecting from, from the team. I understand what needs to be done, and um, I cannot change the standard that I'm expecting. I cannot change the level, that I'm ex- the level of excellence that I expect. Mediocrity is not going to be allowed, but mm-hmm. what will be changing as we go is how I get you along to see where we need to go, you know, mm-hmm. how I get you to, to see what I can see in terms yeah. of the vision. Because I need I need everyone with me, you know. Mm-hmm. You set the vision, but you can't you can't go on your own. Okay, so you yeah. need everyone with you, but also balancing that it's it's not a, it's not an issue of I'm begging you to be with me. Mm-hmm. We we we're working together mm-hmm. to end up seeing what we need to be seeing the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. that we all look at red and it's red to everyone. So so we moved on that and um and and really uh, things got better. It was a turnaround. A role this one for me uh, because there were performance issues that needed to be done and I think this was a, a good um, introduction for me into being a turnaround leader and since then I don't know that I got cast or whatever since then everything that I've been in has been turnaround. kind of a turnaround <laughs> turn, turnaround role mm-hmm. and um, as as we left I mean we had a good, built a very a very good strong team that was based on uh, mutual respect mm-hmm. but uh, very clear in terms of what we want to achieve the, the targets that we need to, and we understood the objective, we understood the purpose. You know, it, it was important that we, we do what we need to do to bring back these plans and to refurbish what we need to refurbish, deal with what we need to do correctly, use the right amounts of money, you know, and, and make sure that we are responsible citizens in yeah. this. Uh, so the, in this role, I think it was for about two, two years. And... Um, Towards 2016, then I got a call. I think it was on Christmas Eve. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't, mm-hmm. this, uh, one of the senior leaders calls me and says, okay, um, 
your boss needs to go to Midupi Power mm-hmm. Station mm-hmm. as a project director. My boss at that time was Philip Dugashe, mm-hmm. one of uh, the leaders that have really also played a big role in, in my growth. Um, needs to go to Midupi and we need someone that's going to take care of the whole portfolio of refurbishment projects. So when you come back on leave, that's what you're going to be doing. Okay. So this is now the second time because even on moving to this uh, cluster. one cluster, it mm. was just a call on Friday, Monday, you go there and that's, that's that. You mm-hmm. go there, you're going to have to do that. And I went into this and um, just a few, not so long in that role, then I got headhunted by uh, GE, mm-hmm. General Electric. Mm-hmm. And uh, GE at that time had just acquired Alstom, the power business mm-hmm. of Alstom. And they were looking for local leaders to to run some of their key projects in South Africa. And the key projects, I don't know, people killing me now, the yeah. key projects in South Africa at that time was Midupi and Kusile. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. They, so, so they were looking for a project director mm-hmm. for an um, EPC, which is Engineering Procurement and Construction and Commissioning Projects that they had at Kusile for their Environmental Control Solutions Plant. Um, and uh, and I had to to go into this, so that's that. And I think what I normally tell uh, mm-hmm. the the boys at home is, um, with this project, it's it's one that taught me, you know, sometimes the one thing that you take and you think this could be career limiting for me, this could be the end of my career. Mm-hmm. But when you do this thing right, it's one thing that just, you know, the springboard. Yeah, just you just go Takes and and, and that's that because when when things are so wrong. Anything, any small thing that you do is a big thing. Yes, eh? I hear that. It's yeah, a yeah. big thing. And, and you get this encouragement going because every small thing that you do, it's actually quite big. Mm-hmm. And and that's got us going with this team because this project was, again, a, a turnaround, serious turnaround mm-hmm. uh, project. And, and it got to where it needed to get to, you know. And I was quite chuffed with this, with the team that we had on site, very hectic uh, site conditions but we had strong teams that were there that we built as as a company that helped to to turn this thing and eventually i was asked to to go into the uh, services business but again i had started the conversation to say okay the project is now where it's supposed to be and i think i'm gonna start getting bored because it's now mainly commissioning what is the next thing mm-hmm. for me and and that's that's exactly what i was saying even earlier so an opportunity came then to say we need actually uh, a, a business leader for the project services business, mm-hmm. which uh, this services business is a sub-Saharan business that uh, supports customers with um, parts, so selling of parts, but yeah. also overhauls okay. of their plants. With In South Africa, it was mainly ESCOM, and then you get your salts for industrial plants, and then outside of South Africa, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, and all of that. So we, we did that. Mm-hmm. Had teams on all of these sites, uh, teams from all over the world as well. It was not just South Africans balancing each other in terms of skills, managing skills transfer as well, okay. for those that came from offshore to ensure that the team does that. And I was there for until 2020, then I moved to my current role yes. in 2021. So we don't have much time, and I really yes. want to cover this uh, yeah. role because yeah. you've just you stepped in as CEO of yeah. a mobile operating company. Uh, let's talk about that role. Why you've decided that this is something that you'd like to do because yeah. you could be anywhere in the world. This is yeah. where you are. Um, you also come at a time when uh, how train is expanding, uh, when there's conversations around uh, the democratization of the how train. Um, it's quite a time to arrive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I've been in this role for three years now. Mm. And uh, the reason why I moved, I think at that time for me, it was a career decision about, uh, there's a whole movement around um, from coal. Okay. I mean, I was in a space where I'm, I'm really dealing with coal fired plants and there was a whole renewables power story coming in and we needed to see uh, whether it still makes sense to stay in that environment or should I try something else? And for me, again, it was really a, a test of my own leadership capability. You know, sometimes as a leader, you think, 
you know, you, you, are, you think you're a good leader, but it's mainly because technically you understand what is being done, not necessarily because you are a strong leader that can lead a team. So it was an opportunity to also really do that. So I joined the Bombella Operating Company. So there's a lot of Bombella companies, but yes. this one is Bombella Operating Company, which is the operator and maintainer of the How Train uh, as part of the Triple P uh, arrangement, which for me is a very good, good setup. And as the operator, really, uh, our role is to execute on a daily basis this system. And we're quite excited about it and quite proud of the results. I mean, for those that use the how train, we, we deliver, I mean, reliability, punctuality. Things do happen because there's people that we work with. But most of the time, we're very proud of the work that our teams do on a daily basis, when I, whether it's on site, uh, at the station or inside the train. We know that our teams wake up every day understanding exactly what they need to do. Mm. So the role, that obviously, what is important now for us is to is to assist overall in the the showcasing of this, to say mm -hmm. this is actually a, an example of how a public transport system could work. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. It's not just about the train as well. It's a multimodal system that has got the buses and the midi buses mm -hmm. feeding uh, passengers into the train. So participation of the midi buses with the taxi associations has also been a, key, been a key thing to do. And as we move towards the democratization, as we say, the extension that is being spoken about, we actually right now, right in the middle of a tendering process for Fantastic. the not the extension of the lines, but actual extension of operations of the current mm -hmm. system. So so that's the process we're busy with. And the role that for us is important is to continue performing the way we are performing so that we make sure that we are the preferred operator and maintainer for the post-2026, which the current contract comes to an end in 2026. So we want to be there. Mm -hmm. eh? Our employees are looking at us to make sure that this happens. But beyond that, with all the opportunities that could be coming with extra uh, the extension of lines mm -hmm. that is being spoken about yesterday, we had the How Train Management Agent uh, CEO Tepo speaking on one of the radio stations talking about this. We want to be part of it. Mm -hmm. And beyond the How Train, I mean, we're part of a, a, a French organization, RATP Dev, uh, that operates in 15 countries all over the world with 24,000 employees, we, we are capable of doing far more than just the how train. So our our vision is really to do far more than what we do today to, to contribute to the overall uh, improvement of our public transport system in South Africa and neighboring countries. And we do believe that the teams that we've built with the current contract can really be, be the ones that can take this right across into other opportunities that will help eventually to improve the public transport system for an ordinary person in South Africa. Uh, which is, is what we would all want to see happening at the end of the day. I'm yeah. going to ask you to put on your earphones. We yeah. do have a caller, Tapo from Mamelodi, uh, would like uh, to ask a question. Tapo, hi, uh, thank you for your call. Please do go ahead. And Tabi Singh and I are listening. Hi, hi. Um, good evening, Alison Tabi Singh. Good evening, Tando. Hi. Yes. Um, I want to comment to you, Alison Tabi Singh, for you know, the role that you are playing. But um, I'm one of these blind persons who have been, had an experience with coaching. And I just wanted to know that uh, is this something that can be rolled out um, nationally? I know that it's specifically coaching, but, you know, the reasonable accommodation that it has uh, for blind people. And also, how can you improve it to accommodate others that are having physical challenges, you know, like mm -hmm. your wheelchair people. Yeah. Fantastic. Great question, Tapo. Thank you for that. And Tapo, please do go ahead. Yeah. I mean, Tapo, thank you for, for that comment. Um, inclusion is one of our values, actually, mm -hmm. as a company. And uh, it's, we take deliberate steps and actions to make sure that everyone that uses the system feels 
that they are taken care of. And uh, actually, last year we had our awards function. The Star Award went to someone that helped a person with the, that is blind, mm-hmm. where someone that was supposed to collect them didn't collect them. So um, we, we constantly look at how we can make this better. And yes, we do have conversations as well, even about people with physical impairments, like with using wheelchairs and all of that. We do talk a lot with associations that deal with people with disabilities and we give our input and listen to them on what would work and what doesn't work. And some of the things that we've implemented actually came out of those uh, interactions. So we continue to do that. And um, and I hope that as, as we do this, we set a good example mm-hmm. for other public transport uh, providers to see how, how you can actually make sure that you, you are a transport service for all, not just for those that can walk or can see. And, and that's so we hold this very close in our hearts. Our, our employees are fully on board with this and they do this. They do far more than what we expect actually of them when it comes to dealing with people with disabilities, whatever the disability could be. Fantastic. We actually are out of time, but I really want to quickly touch on you and success um, and you at Bombella, but the career that you've built, which um, is mind blowing, truly to hear of. uh, What does success feel like? What does it look like to you that makes you feel like, wait a king? Yeah. I think success for me, I mean, for me, my passion is about people development. So Mm -hmm. success for me is when I get calls and WhatsApp about people saying, hey, is saying, you know, I just got a promotion mm-hmm. and I remembered one, two and three things that you taught me. Mm-hmm. Or just now I've just dealt with an issue and I did exactly what you had taught me five years ago or 10 years ago. So that is what success looks like to me. It's, it's who do I have around me? And uh, with, with what I've done, with what I've learned, who have I taken along with me? Mm-hmm. That's key. And uh, so that's that. Obviously, everything else comes with it, money, all of that. But the main thing that gives me the satisfaction is Mm. to see everyone that I've I've touched, that everyone that I've met throughout my career being a different person by the time I leave them. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, I'm I'm sad was so quick it's yeah. never this quick yeah. uh, but it's been a pleasure hearing from you hearing yeah. your journey yeah. wishing you all the best and i hope that you can keep coming to talk to us as you grow as mm-hmm. you build i don't know i i'm convinced actually that you'll probably do more wild things in the future so keen to hear about saying thank you for joining us thank you very much fantastic and that was in saying quebec as she is from the bombella operating company she is ceo there in our power suit segment this evening You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.